welcome to another episode of This Particular Album is Very, Very Important to Me. I'm Deborah Tarika. I'm Joel Spence. This is the podcast where we ask people we love to pick an album that is very, very important to them, and here they share their memories. Great and not so great. And emotional connections. Great and also not so great. And we all get to listen to it through their ears. Uh, Deb, what's our segment today? Oh my gosh, we're diving right into oh, it. Yeah, do you have anything you want to say? No, I don't. I'm excited. I'm ready. Okay. So um, oh, we are going to start off with um, a segment called This Particular Song is Very, Very Important to Me. Um, yes. And so I'm excited gonna... about this. I started going through my music a little bit more and starting to like pull some stuff aside. It's bringing up a lot. Yeah. Okay, yeah. let's play this. This is the song Only You by the band Yaz or Yazoo. Oh, Aaron's reacting. Oh, man. It's like a story of love. Can you hear me? I don't have like a particular, a very specific memory attached to it, but it's just very, very important to me. It's something, it's a song that I can put on at any time and it brings up so much emotion. This was such a great idea for a band anyway, the co- kind of cold synthy with this voice that is so full of soul. Yeah. Full of? Full of. Yeah, she's full of soul. Full of soul. I have a question that's not important, but I'm curious. Yeah. Were they gay? Uh, I don't know about Alison Moyet. Moyet. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I know that... Because Erasure is Yes, right? It is the... Part key- of Erasure is Yes. Yes, the keyboard genius that left Vince, Depeche Mode. Vince yeah. Clark? Yeah, Vince Clark. Did Yes and then became Erasure with uh, the singer. I don't think she... She's not part of Erasure. No. There's no woman in, in a, Erasure. No. Called them erasure because I'm from the south and we yeah, pronounce so. you know things in the wrong the way, way we now. want to yeah <laughs> fuck fuck the way it's supposed to be <laughs> and um I thought it was I I always got the sense that they were gay be- only because not that there's such thing as gay music but it was so happy it was dancing it was happy it was so loving and so like emotional mm-hmm. and I was on dance team and of course the, we always listened to erasure and yeah it's Always, and I thought it was, and I kept thinking like it's so weird because half of the people on this team are racist, homophobic, yes, yeah, ladies. But that's never stopped anybody ha- from from enjoying things. music. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> no, I went through the same experience, like in San Antonio, Texas, and it was always funny for the to watch these hard ass. Uh, uh, right-wing conservative youth being into something like Erasure or Frankie Goes to Hollywood and and remembering them dance to it. This is a tangent, but is there a good 80s night in LA that's not like playing like reductive kind of like hits? I think it's Tuesday nights in my apartment. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, I want to say one you. more thing about my song. Please, yeah. Um, uh, did you guys ever watch the show Fringe? No. 
I never saw it. It's a really good show. I have no idea if it holds up or not, but I do want to rewatch it now that I've been like thinking about it. But there's a season of the show where the first episode it ends with one of the main characters. It's they like jump ahead in time, like 50 years, like a a, a maybe not a, a good chunk, a good jump in time, um, and. It's the very last scene, and it's the old man character, the like crazy scientist guy, is like sitting. It's like a post-apocalyptic world a little bit. I don't know. I might be getting this wrong because I haven't seen it in so long. But he's basically just sitting in a car that's been abandoned, presses play on the the CD player or whatever it is, and then this song starts playing, and it's just like showing this like the desolation. It's just this. He is the only one, and it's very. Um, it just like made me love the song even more, and it's it, I love this song. Yeah, Yaz is one of those bands that just makes me smile no matter like it's just they're untouchable as far as controversy in my heart. They're mm-hmm. just like uh, perfect. Yeah. Vince Clark is not gay. Okay. Not that it matters, but looks <laughs> like you just, uh, the title him? of this episode is. It's Clark is not gay. But he is a huge ally, apparently. Yeah. According to the one Google search I just did. That would be hilarious if he was just one. He was just another one of those Texas homophobic. Like, I'm Vince Clark, and I'm for bathroom pills. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. Oh, uh, well, who is the other part of Erasure? That uh, was the singer, not Vince Clark. Yeah. Um, I don't remember his name. Um, I guess it's kind of unfair because, like, I, I, maybe because they, Yaz and Erasure, were more upbeat than Depeche Mode. That's why I th- kind of thought they yeah. were p- possibly Andy Bell. Andy Bell. I think he's gay, which is, you know what? Great. I, I, I don't know why it's not good to categorize people. I just was curious. <laughs> I, I was curious more for, like, the retrospective like, like, huh, were all these hateful people listening to a gay man? Yeah. And, 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 and how does it impact the music if they're yeah. out, if they're repressed? Like, there, there are yeah, elements the whole... to it, but I, I do think we should go around and just always ask that question. Yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> helpful to everyone's <laughs> progress. Uh, but anyway, um, okay, so speaking of gay, Bob Dylan is my song. Um, <laughs> so this was... Wait, do you, you know I have a, I have a passionate dislike. I passionately... Do not like Bob Do Dylan. not like Bob Dylan. Great. Okay, I can't wait to talk to you about it. Okay. I'm not going to, like, give you a hard time. Sure. You could. Great. This is a... This came out in 74, so I, I, I got into this in 91 or 92, but this is the soundtrack to a movie called Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid, uh, which Bob Dylan did the soundtrack for, which on this album is um, Knocking on Heaven's Door. I was in whatever that summer was of 91 or 92 in Taos, New Mexico, uh, doing, uh, ayahuasca. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I went to SMU in Dallas and they had a campus in Taos, New Mexico, where you could do like a summer program. Um, it was like a summer abroad, but not that far abroad. Uh, just one, one state over. And, uh, they had a Shakespeare program where we would rehearse and do a Shakespeare play and, uh, at the, it was for like six weeks, and Taos is beautiful. Oh, it's, it's right so where the desert meets the Sangre de Cristo Mountains, and it's just it's got everything uh, geologically. Um, but I had a, such a wonderful experience there. I was working with grad students. I was an undergrad, and I was working with grad 
grad student actors and they were I just looked up to them and I felt good being in a show with them I felt like talent wise that I was doing really well and it was another moment where I felt I think I'm doing the right thing I'm on the right path and this movie was shot around Taos uh, and it's about Pat, Bar- Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid and how they used to ride together and I don't know rob banks together yeah shoot him up together but then pat garrett was hired to go kill billy the kid i have nothing in common thematically with that well don't Uh, say that we don't know that that's true maybe i maybe i will (laughs) have you ever shot a gun (laughs) you don't Uh, know why i'm here (laughs) but we all got we all got into the soundtrack and Sorry, I just made a jump that Joel no, that and I are best good. friends. It took me a Not second. about the killing. I'm here to kill Joel, but I just made a huge jump. Joel Dep- and I don't even like each other. <laughs> <laughs> this is a lot of animosity. So we watched the movie up there, I think on like a VHS. And I think we got the sound. Somebody got the soundtrack like towards the end of the trip. And so we would listen to it while we were hanging out and drinking beer. And it just... It just became the sort of the sound, the the memory, the soundtrack to the memory of this uh, time. So, great experience. I felt so good. It was so beautiful. At the end of the trip, I had to go. We had to uh, get back to San Antonio, where I was, where I lived. And I remember we we were driving to Albert. A few of us were driving to Albuquerque, and we put this on. And that's when I, every, I almost started crying because of the scenery in this particular song. There's no... It just stopped. Um, uh, Are there lyrics? Uh, well, that's funny Sorry. you say that. Um, it doesn't even need lyrics. It's it really, really beautiful. This is another version of that same song. And believe me, there are three more versions of that same song that Bob Dylan did. This he, one does have lyrics. He just tinkered with it over time? Yeah. That hmm. seems right. Um, but I remember feeling like, oh, I didn't... The music... Playing that music in the car on the way to Albuquerque was a sign that this whole experience was done. And it made me very sad. And I also, to double down on it, I was heading back to San Antonio to do my summer job, which was working in the bankruptcy court clerk's office. Oh, my God. Um, an eight to five job. I was paid pretty well for a college student, but it meant that I was in an office uh, a window that's on office, yeah, yeah. I'm sure. And that's fact, so depressing. It's so depressing coming from the most amazing scenery. <sighs> I would go find a window and stare out at a tree uh-huh. in downtown San Antonio. And I was like, I felt such loss uh, that I wasn't with those guys. I was, wasn't with that experience. But this song uh, meant all that to me. That's really nice. I li- I kind of like, I, I, like Bob- I have different thoughts about Bob Dylan now. Do you? That. Oh, that's okay. Great. I'm sorry, I'll, I'll. One of the lyrics um, is is he's sort of singing to Billy the kid, and he and he the the refrain is Billy, you're so far away from home, and I for me I was like, oh yeah, that's that's about me because I'm literally far away from home. <laughs> but looking back, I felt I was farther and farther away from home in my mind because yeah. of the experience that I had just uh, gone through. It's a rite of passage. It was a rite of passage. Some songs are like that. Some albums are are when you are immersed in a situation, some albums or music becomes their transition to another world. Hmm. Speaking of that, our guest, you've heard her already. <laughs> She's rapidly trying to finish that email she well, was sending. Well, I was trying to find, I'm trying to find this Joni Mitchell quote on Bob Dylan. Oh, cool. And yeah. I just found it. Great, what is it? Now I feel like a jerk. No, 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 no. First of all, I just, I have for many years 
thought that Bob Dylan is a plagiarist. And um, oh, okay. Yeah. And so, and I just, and really, I got mad when he did those um, Chrysler commercials <laughs> during the Super Bowl. Do you remember that? Oh, no. Um, it was either I think it was Chrysler. He did anyway, a Victoria's Secret commercial. Yes, that too. he started doing all this stuff where I was like, "What's the deal?" Like his what? Hanukkah song. What? Oh yeah. No wait. Uh, no, his Christmas song. Oh yeah. He didn't do a Hanukkah song. What am I talking about? Nobody does Hanukkah songs. And I was just like, <laughs> well. Uh, he's just been elevated to this like folk hero status, sure. and I think Joni Mitchell deserves as many accolades as he does, yeah. um, if not more. Anyway, so then I was reading this article of Joni Mitchell in The Guardian. Here it is. She just says, she just says, um, he, she says straight up he's a plagiarist. <laughs> and um, that his voice is fake and everything about him is fake. And I was like, <laughs> well, now I love you even more. That's great. But just yeah. the idea that he being like, oh, like, I don't know. This is going to get into gender politics, but like, oh, it's not. It's not. It's unexpected for a man to speak so like honestly and poetically during that time. And she's basically saying, yeah, because he's putting on a play for everybody. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I another thing about that time is you could be you could be different because there were a lot, there were like millions of less people in America, and yeah. you could be a total success. And you can't. And now think about the stunts you have to pull to. <laughs> Even get to the notoriety that he got to. Yeah, I think he. I think there's. It's. It's widely accepted that he created himself for sure. It is. Yeah, I mean, not from everybody, but um, I'm not a Dylanologist. I think there's the fans have created a lot for him. Yes. That, okay, that makes sense. Uh, but uh, I've studied him, and I did a report on him in college. Of course and, you did. And I'm not a. I. I there are. There, there's like eight albums that I swear by by him and then he's got 152 other albums that I don't listen to right? he did the opposite of Prince <laughs> he, <laughs> he released everything yeah alright so Aaron Gibson uh, thank you for coming I've made today. everyone listening to this podcast hate me. I, that's my goal is when I get on a podcast <laughs> is to see what, what controversial thing I can say in well Dylan, uh, Dylan fans if you're still with, with us right now <laughs> they already everyone stopped listening <laughs> um, Aaron welcome yeah, thanks for thank having you. me we're so guys. excited to have very, you I'm very excited I gave you three albums yes and, and we, you chose the one I didn't actually want to I didn't I was scared to talk about which I, which oh, I like. well now I'm, I'm glad excited. that we picked that one because, uh, me too to me that was the most knowing you that was the most interesting one because it was so unexpected. It was unexpected. Oh, very. I am really heavy into uh, dark synth dance music. I guess that's not unexpected. But but even this album. But this ang- this is angry. This is angry. And I up until like this morning, I was kind of like, I hope she understood what we were asking <laughs> because I knew you did. Yeah. But like it, that's how against my expectations this album went yes. which is so I'm so excited I don't view you as an angel of angst well Dive I think you guys it. also had the pleasure no you no, had the had, definitely there was benefit pleasure. of knowing me once I decided to start d- pursuing stuff that I liked oh cool instead of you didn't know me when I was growing up no which mm-hmm. is when right. I was like studying to get a marketing degree 
that doesn't heavy smoker, me. heavy drinker, you know, like mm, okay. try, doing, d- doing stuff I feel obligated to do rather than stuff that I really was passionate about. Sure. So I think that <laughs> drinking and smoking, yeah. I'm still passionate about that. <laughs> I'm passionate about smoking. I don't do it anymore. I'm passionate for other people. I'm like, when I see someone smoking, I'm like, you go yeah. <laughs> girl or boy or, you know. <laughs> All right. This album is Pretty Hate Machine by okay. Nine Inch Nails. Which is actually just one person. Yes. N- Trent Reznor. Used Res- to be. Reznor. Reznor. Reznor, yeah. So I have to listen to this when I have when I have this you know on iTunes, whatever. I have to listen to it in order. If it if it goes on random, it drives me crazy. This one feels like you want to listen to it in order. It, yeah. I think it's a I think it's better to listen to it in order. But I, then again, I'm biased. I like this song because it sets the tone instantly. You know exactly what you're in for. The reason I, I think I'm drawn to this is for three years, four years, three or four years, my family fell on hard times. My dad was in the oil industry in the 80s. We had to move to Ohio, and my sister, my mom, and I live with my grandma, while my dad went to California to try to find other work. So my family was separated. I was growing up in the Rust Belt from the South. I wasn't used to winter. I wasn't used to gray sludge or any Uh of this stuff. Yeah. And I was in junior high, and everybody nice around me was listening to Metallica. Uh-huh. It was metal everywhere. Like the saddest I've ever been. Mm-hmm. Um, separated from my dad. Um, just in a really sad, poor person situation. Like situation where like, you know, there were the future days is we, uncertain for you guys. Yeah, we didn't know if we had lunch money. Like we, yeah. like shit like that. That sounds so. It had a really heavy Texas accent, and you know, it was just, it was just, I was just ridiculed and all this stuff. Anyway, it got started getting better towards the end, and then we moved again, which is ironic. But the Rust Belt, and which is where Trent Reznor's from, and the anger and the and the. He's really capturing, and I'm getting too deep into this, yeah. but this, set, this this tone of that time in the 80s when there was no hope. Mm-hmm. There was no hope. The government wasn't helping. Polit- you know, Reagan was in office. It was Everything was shitty. Everything was the worst. Yeah. And this guy screaming about it mm-hmm. felt like, oh, you can be angry about this stuff and you can dance to the, you uh-huh. can yeah. dance to the anger. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, and this was in, released in 89, I think. So I remember being, I'm older than you, but I was in, this was my senior year of high school. And it was sort of like eight years of Reagan. And then we all thought that that's enough of that. But then we had George Bush for the next four years. And we thought, I guess this is what it's going to be like. You know what else I like about his music? And... Was Trent Reznor 
moved from wherever buttfuck Pennsylvania. I shouldn't say that anymore. That's actually not appropriate to say anymore. I was going to say something. He, I was going to actually just send you a note is later. Is he gay Pennsylvania? <laughs> Full theme today. Um, to Cleveland. He worked at this recording studio to try to, and was in a bunch of bands. And at the recording studio was an engineer and a janitor. And I guess his boss said that it didn't matter what he was doing. He did the best job. Like, if he was going to scrub the floors, he made sure they were perfect. Wow. If he was going to re- um, cool. audio record, he made sure it was perfect. And I feel like this album, you could. this is not something someone just slapped together. No. no. There's a lot of la- layers. There's a lot of levels. You have to listen to it a couple times mm-hmm. to, like, hear all the stuff going on. And there's a lot of, like Joy Division, there's a lot of like playing with sounds and repetitive things, you know, Um, that I don't think you heard in music before. I'm actually shocked this wasn't a bigger hit when it came out because this was basically an indie album. This will just go right into the next song. Yeah. There's no, that's why you have to listen to it in order too. Everything flows into the next Mm -hmm. thing. There's no, if you stop it, it feels abrupt. Yeah. I think it. A lot of this music influenced the next five years. I, I, I was kind of looking at like what came after, and there were a lot of like because my time with Nine Inch Nails and stuff was more the early '90s when like Downward Spiral came out, mm-hmm. and um, if I had listened to it. Um, when it came out, I do think this would be something my parents would have been like, "What is what's going on with my Deborah?" Mom had no idea that I was listening to this. I really? feel like this is one you want to listen to on headphones. You can listen to it really loud, unless you're trying to make a statement like door slamming, turn up nine inch nails. Oh, yeah. leave me the fuck alone, mom and dad. You know, like that kind of. There's I would a never song have said that to my on parents. Downward spiral. No, not downward spiral. I can't remember the name of it. So we have fact but, checkers okay. listening, so it was huh? <laughs> I said Some, we have fact checkers listening. Someone is listening, going, I know what it is. Um, when I went to college, my friend Melissa, who I shared a room with, who I went to high school with, the first day we got put in the band dorm, and we were mad. We didn't know that, and we were fucking mad because we were like, we were two smoking assholes from you know, <laughs> smoking assholes, Houston, <laughs> um, and we played a song from a Nine Inch Nails album. That is so aggressive. <laughs> and it goes something like this. I don't even know the words because he's so much screaming, but there's a part where the song stops and it goes, it, he's just screaming. It goes, ah, fist fuck. And we just played that on my ten. stereo yeah. on 10 and opened all the doors and windows just to be like, don't fuck with us. <laughs> well, how do people, what do people do? Um, nothing. You? Fuck with you. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, "What's wrong with those two? <laughs> it, it, it fully like we were asking to be kicked out. Yeah, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Oh, can I just play this song? Yeah. It's, it's it's so aggressive. I know this isn't on the album, but I, I don't think I can do it. I don't. It doesn't do it any justice what I just did because it is. This song is so angry. Oh, it's called Wish. Hold on. Is he so mad? He's so mad, and I bet in person he, you just you wouldn't even. Yeah. He just like or, walks up to Orange Julius and is like, <laughs> I just have a medium Orange Julius. Yeah. I, fe- I feel like that's the kind and of person he is. I feel like, do you think he was seat. always like that? Though? That's a legit Zach Dale Rocha story that someone told me. Really? I saw Jack, Zach Dale Rocha at 
at Orange Julius on Franklin. <laughs> and he was like, hey, just have an Orange Julius, please. I'm more interested in there's an Orange Julius on Franklin. <laughs> yeah, there was. That? Okay, ready? <laughs> there. There we go. This is the first day. video i really wish i knew where the fist fuck place is but anyway he just screams and then he says fist fuck you get it (laughs) well i like (laughs) i see why you like on this one uh terrible lie the first verse with all that angst and anger at the end of the verse he's only demanding an apology (laughs) (laughs) maybe that's the way to do it a really big build-up just to ask for something simple. Yeah, say I'm sorry. <laughs> if I just want lemon, <laughs> lemon with my water, I just do a really long rant. <laughs> just go, but you know what? If I could just get a slice of lemon. It's just anybody who like we didn't ever... your orange Julius. <laughs> <laughs> you owe me an apology. <laughs> Where's the apology? I think you owe me a great big apology. Oh, oh Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you're missing the subtext. <laughs> I thought it was at the end. You borrowed like, my comb. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't bring it back. <laughs> I mean, I don't think this really. There, there are certainly people out here, out in the world, who have been like mistreated and wronged. Yeah. Who would not identify with this music? Yeah. yeah you know? maybe. Oh, sure. It's too angry. Yeah. Where were you with this band? Where were you in this uh, dorm? Oh, I was like in on the fir- on the second floor. But I mean, what was the whole context of what were you, what were you doing there? Was oh, I was college? in college. Oh, I was in college. And okay. I just got, we got assigned to the band dorm because I guess there were extra rooms. Okay. The band dorm, like, like not like marching band. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Which fine. I played the clarinet. I have nothing against, but it was just, yeah. we were just, we were, first of all, context. I, I fucked up and like didn't do my paperwork for college because I was my senior year I was like I'm tired of working hard I'm tired of getting A's I'm throwing it all in the garbage so I just started like you know smoking weed and drinking Mm -hmm. and get I got a a dumb tattoo and just doing shit that was very uh you still in Ohio at this point this is in Texas you went back to Texas yeah this is we moved back to Texas when I was in like Late eighth grade, early ninth grade. Did you go back to the same, not exact house, but did you go to the same like area mm-hmm. and everything? We lived, we grew up in McLean, then we went to Ohio, and then a year in Kentucky, and then back and then to Houston. Man. So um, You're sporting this new Ohio accent when you get back to <laughs> yeah, I was like, you guys want some pop? <laughs> um, <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I do have a weird mix of like, there's certain words I say very southern, and there's some words I say very oh, is that northern. Right? Yeah. Oh yeah, so okay, I I waited too long to do slash didn't do great on my SATs, just kind of shot yeah. myself in the foot. So I decided that I was going to go to a junior college for two years, get my shit together, yeah. and then go to UT. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went to Blend Junior College, which is one of the most depressing junior colleges because it is in between two major cities, but not close enough to like go there for the <laughs> night. So you it's, have to stay there. Yes. You have okay. to stay there. And you're and st- on the roof, like with binoculars, looking at those major cities. Just like, <laughs> too, still too far. <laughs> Can't go anywhere. Um, it was, and that was super depressing. Mm. Yeah. I, te- even though I was like not doing well. By the way, this is gonna sound like bragging, but I want everyone to remember this: the South. They don't care about education. Yeah. 
I tested out of the math class that I was supposed to take at the freshman level at this junior college, yeah. and they made me take it anyway, and I got a hundred. Wow. <laughs> but it wasn't that hard. Like, yeah. Yeah. I failed calculus too. Like, yeah. I can't do that. I can't do... That's, like, I, my high school was maths. like that. My yeah. high school was very... It was a school for kids with learning disabilities, and I have learning disabilities, but the way mine come out, it's different than a lot of other kids, so I was able to basically do everything in high school. I got like straight A's. I was on the swim team. I was the yearbook editor. I was, uh, I don't think I was, pre- I, think, I don't think I was voted president of my school. <laughs> I was not popular. <laughs> um, but doing all those things, which were very easy to do as a very small school, allowed me to then like go to the college of my choice and things like that. Because, But if I'd gone to a normal school that wasn't so specific, I would have not. Well, gotten, then you, I don't I, know if I would have gone into college. That's what was that was happening in this math class because I was getting hundreds, which is stupid. Yeah. yeah. If someone's getting a hundred, put them in a different class. Yeah. Yeah. And I begged. I said, please take me out of this class. I'm bored. So the other t- teenagers in class, young adults, were like, how are you getting 100s? And I was like, you guys don't understand. <laughs> You're going to fail in life because this is not that hard. Like, I was like, I feel bad for you. No, you owe me an apology. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, terrible is- lies. <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry, I had that off for. Um, yeah. I had it on for Wish, and now we got. I got punished for it. Um, <laughs> so it was. Heard, yeah. By the way, I was listening to Nine Inch Nails. This is my first album. I stopped buying through the last couple of albums. Okay. Um, I don't like his new version of Himself. the thing, the ethereal, dark, okay, BDSM. It's not BDSM, but it feels yeah, yeah, like yeah. that, you okay. know. Anyway. Uh, this is track three. Down in it. I don't know. This just sounds like my teenage. I mm-hmm. I didn't like new kids. I didn't like mm-hmm. um, poppy stuff. And when this came out, I was like, oh, this has upbeat tempo. I I also love Morrissey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't love what he's been doing lately. <laughs> he's been. But that's. I think when you loving an artist wholly is like that's tough. It's hard. That's you put really a lot harder. I think yeah. having those specific. It's the same thing as liking different seasons of a TV show but even more I don't know I guess everyone <laughs> knows that but yeah. I don't think you have to like them from start to finish because you can like five of the Bob Dylan albums and yeah. not like the rest and still be a huge Bob Dylan fan Right. I, I would never go to a Nine Nails concert that's one thing yeah. I would never do I because yeah. I don't want to I don't want to experience do, that for two and a half hours. Yeah. I also don't want the mirror of like all the other fans and be like, I guess I'm belong with these people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there's other people like me out there who just like, you know, this, this, this is a up, up tempo, mm-hmm. right? It's like yeah. fast mm-hmm. up tempo, mm-hmm. but the undercurrent is really angry. And that's what I like about Morrissey stuff. Yeah. He's a little more art- poetic about it yeah. yeah and i think trent looks back at this album as a little he's kind of cringy on some some of it um uh, i think part of it is the the breathlessness with some of his singing is so overdone overdone yeah. and it like, looks ve- it's a very dramatic album yeah at that time it must have been for you, exactly what you needed. Just an expressive, uh-huh. like, angry, but not, but he's not talking about murdering anybody. No. You know what I mean? It's not yeah. like, 
It's not that. No. It's not like it's a, not Marilyn Manson where it's like disturbing kind of stuff. No. Wait, P.S. Though I was reading a little bit about him um, that after this album, I think they moved into the house on Cielo Drive. Oh, the this Manson is a bad house? story. Yeah. By the way, that that is fucked is up. Is that true? Yes. Okay. And then he was like, oh. It wasn't because if it was the Manson house, it was because it reminded some bullshit line or whatever. Mm-hmm. But here's what happened: Sharon Tate's sister. Do you know the story? No, I don't. Sh- he so he had the door that um, Die Pig was written on. Yeah, yeah. This is Nine Inch Nails moved into right the whole band, or the maybe just him. Yeah, to record was, in that yeah. house okay. where Sharon Tate was murdered. So they called the it like La Pig or something yeah. like that. Oh, Jesus Christ. And. He was like, you know, I'm not into that murder shit, but it's like, well, you went to this place and you did the Anyway, he did this thing that was kind of like, I think a guy who, A, never liked to be questioned and now has power and doesn't yeah. want anyone being, like, he's just going to do whatever the fuck he wants without yeah. thinking about how it affects other people or whatever. So he met Sharon Tate's sister and she was like, "It's. It, I want you to understand how disturbing it is to me that you have that door. That is a door that is smeared with my sister's blood and my, you know, mm-hmm. niece, nephew's blood. And it's disturbing. And then he took it down. That's when confronted cool. by an actual human being, he yeah. took it down. People <laughs> that are willing to change, I do think that says so much that about does. a person because it's so easy to double down. Just be like, fuck you, you know, and but and not think but about it again. But that's a Midwestern thing too. There is, there's a part of this that's like, I just I mean he grew up with his grandparents I don't I haven't been able to find a lot about why his where his parents were or mm-hmm. anything but like mm-hmm. this is definitely a guy who's like angry because I mean he definitely needs a hug and I think can <laughs> accept a hug yeah. whereas there's other people who I think need a hug and are like fuck well, you never right there's um, yeah something sub- suburban angst about this maybe that's part of it too yeah if you if you there is a um a video on YouTube of his him being a keyboard player in his first band. Wait, what? He, there's like a local news. I don't know where. It might have been Ohio. Um, where he's they. It's like a morning show, and they're like, "Here's one of the local bands," uh, and he's just the keyboard player in the band, and it's kind of adorable to see him be. And they're they're sort of the '80s new wave. It's like '86 or '87 or something like that. And he looks so young, and he's got this hair that's sort of '80s new wave. But he's also you can tell he's very earnest and awkward and very aware that he's on TV for the first time playing music. Oh, that's so interesting. It's pretty adorable. Awkward eye contact with the camera. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Oh, that's the best. I I do think it's really cool. Like even like you saying that, but. I mean, I don't know him so well, but he didn't try and hold on to this anger. Like, he's a mm. composer now, and he does really cool things yeah. with his music that w- allowed him to evolve into a totally different type of musician. Just and works with the most difficult director in Hollywood. It's so interesting. David Fincher. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Reportedly a... A lot of moving parts on that guy. Yeah, I guess with um, Gone Girl, he told Trent Reznor, I, he was at the chiropractic uh, chiropractor's office and like recorded. It was like basically, it's music meant to make you feel like everything's going to be okay, but it actually doesn't because it's so <laughs> upbeat. <laughs> and so he was like, I want you to take that and do the music for Gone Girl. Like it sounds wow. upbeat, but it's really got a dark undertone. That's hard. That's a hard thing to translate. Yeah. Um. Play. This is the one that I really connected to. That I, oh, if God. I had heard I, this, I, guys, I, I'm, I'm going to start crying. You can start crying. Yeah, you can. 
Uh, this is track five, something I can never have. It makes me so sad. I can't believe, I mean, I can't, I, you can play it, you should play it, yeah. but like, this song makes me so deeply sad. It's like, it's like, when you're a teenager and you don't think that there's any way mm-hmm. out of your situation, yes. and you hear this song and then it's like reinforcing that, it's like the most, it's the saddest you can ever feel. I still recall the taste of your tears Echoing your voice just like the ringing in my ears This feels like what you feel on the inside. Mm. Like, because most of the music I, I like a lot of very melancholy stuff, but when there is like melancholy or sadness and then anger, like all the things, and maybe for me a lot of this connects because it's, I don't have a lot of anger. I don't let myself mm-hmm. get really angry. So like when you get to hear it and have somebody else release that anger for you, yeah. there's something really powerful about it while yeah. still letting you feel that sadness and feeling that connection with somebody while, while they're singing it. This song and Suns and Stars by... Um, broken social scene are the two songs that will instantly make me start crying mm. and it's really it's the it's what i've placed on this it's yeah. not that this song is ne- i mean someone would probably hear this song and be like who the fuck cares you know i'm starting to scare myself you make this all go if I had heard this song in whatever my high school situation was, I'm sure I would have uh, listened to the rest of this album over and over again. There's some, uh, the, just the musicality of it, the environment of it is so lonely. But in those moments when you are so lonely <laughs> and you hear a song like this, it's like a friend is 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 touching you or something. They're, they're, they may not give you any hope, but they are at least contextualizing something mm-hmm. that you feel less alone uh, and that to me is even if it just starts making you cry it's positive it's positive you're not alone yeah, yeah. the things that i can do now this thing is slowly taking me apart the other thing about this song that is sad so sad to me is the idea that like you're putting your happiness your your happiness is totally dependent on this other person you know like if you can't have you can never have this person and you can never have this happiness because that person holds all of that you, you can't do that for yourself were you did you fall for somebody in Ohio I had no boyfriends Nobody. I had no I had like I had boyfriends that I just were like so I, I was like really desperate to have and so they it, they never were good because yeah. I was like the I was always on the bottom you yeah know? and were you close with your father before he had to go away for that period of time um or my, you just noticed the absence for I think sure. it was just like my, the fifth everything's different yeah my dad is a tough dude because my dad feels a lot and also like puts up a lot of walls yeah so he's got a lot of internal tor- turmoil because mm-hmm. of that yeah he's a vet Vietnam vet and you know, went to theater school and 
Um, he's got, <laughs> you know, I mean, as, as most standard, Vietnam vets do. He went to theater school and then was ripped out of, not ripped out. Oh, he, he was in theater school. He was and in then college was, gotcha. studying Shakespeare and then did he signed up rather than being drafted. Mm-hmm. He signed up and went to Vietnam. So that's, that, th- those two things are what my dad deals with all the time. Yes. Having seen that atrocity and also having no, having been taught the skills to really get inside of a character and feel from another person's point of view. That's yes. a that's fucked up yeah. to have yeah. to to learn that skill and then go somewhere where you have to like shut all that down. Yeah, I think it's hard regardless, but. He came back and he he um, reinvented himself. He bought a camera on his way home from Vietnam and started doing professional photography. And really, yeah, built a business. Was going to like was shooting castles in Scotland and and had this amazing career. And then um, and then got my mom pregnant. <laughs> and then everybody's lives were different. Basically, my dad had to get a real job. Yeah. He revamped and started doing, like, logistics and stuff for oil companies. So okay. he would basically go in, and when it, when oil had to go from A to B to C to D, my dad made sure that it was the most efficient way possible mm-hmm. and the safest way possible in different countries, you know, yeah. Venezuela. Yeah. And yeah. I just want something I can never. now you're a photographer too yeah that's my dad that was the one thing that he made sure that we knew how to do that's, that's really cool yeah so cool. he he um taught us a lot yeah and i have i have all his old cameras oh, yeah. that's really that's very mm-hmm. cool i think it's interesting how what like the words that you're using of saying like how he reinvented himself each time do you think he thought of it that way or is that no. how you th- are thinking about it i think he well i definitely think he d- look my dad always does the right thing the thing he's supposed to do in the right way yeah like my dad but i don't think he's necessarily happy about it mm-hmm. my dad would my dad would have been my dad wanted to be a location scout for movies mm-hmm. that's what he wanted to do and he lived in la my grandpa is is uh here in, in the coast la and who's an lapd officer my dad had the opportunity to do that but he had a lot of stuff he had a lot of stuff in his life that did not that set him up for fail. his mom was an alcoholic mm-hmm. and um his dad was working three jobs. Yeah. My dad has a very sad story. He, I mean, he's he's he had a very sad childhood. He basically, my grandmother worked at a bar here in L.A. and on Vine, Hollywood and Vine. When she did, couldn't find a babysitter for my dad, she would just leave him at Grauman's all day and at the movie just, theater when he was like three or four years old. What? Like fucked up shit. Yeah. <laughs> So my dad, and then at five, my grandpa was like, I got to put you in military school because there's really no one who can care for you. So my dad went to military school. So he he lived there until he was like, I don't know, junior high. Wow. And then was kind of shipped back and forth to his mom who married the Ohio, the governor of Ohio. And then, (laughs) I I don't know, I don't know what happened between. This is insane. (laughs) He... 
went from living with my grandpa and his two stepsister, his stepbrother and stepsister, and his stepmom, who was also a piece of shit to him, mm-hmm. to going to his and living in in Bell, California, in the small like post-war <laughs> home, to going to Ohio with his mother who was still an alcoholic but now she had a horse farm and lived on this compound and there's I have a picture of my dad on a horse in the woods of Ohio like looking like a prince essentially that's so insane <laughs> rags to riches riches um but like or, the, yeah. the money always came with strings and like control and stuff and mm. um yeah it, wow. it was it was very confusing So interesting to hear this while this music is playing in the background too, because like picture like Peter Paul and Mary playing behind <laughs> this. It's a totally different. Like I think that's what this music does though, is it gives it's it, it lets you see the darkness and all the and all yeah. the stuff. Yeah, because it gives it a tinge of like the rags to rich, all that stuff. Like you could be telling that in a very fairy tale way too if yeah. you wanted to, but like with this playing, it's just a very like feels like it doesn't end well. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. I also I don't know if you've noticed like this album has like an emotional roller coaster mm-hmm. effect like mm-hmm. something I can never have is the last song on the first side if you're listening to a tape or a record and yeah. so that's the saddest it, it goes yeah. from um, from uh, head like a hole which is really fast yeah. like metal dance into the saddest like darkest song you've ever heard in your life that made me tear up and then mm-hmm. you flip the thing the side and you're now you're back to this which is like slowly and then it, starting and to then come it goes like, ba- yeah. and then it goes right back down again uh, yeah. is there a particular oh you had all these lyrics are there lyrics that you want to um, talk about that were well it's funny like song? his Go ahead. His, my favorite song is um my least favorite song on this album is sin because i don't i think it's like I don't know. It's yeah. just like, okay, we get it. <laughs> um, and I don't think the chorus is um, that great. But I really do like um, uh, The Only Time because it's it just is like, it, it's classic like what you do when you call somebody late at night. Hmm. <laughs> right the first lyric is, I'm drunk. Yeah. <laughs> This is the new version of this is called You Up. Yeah. It is. (laughs) I like it because it sounds like you're drunk. Yeah. It's the it's as drunk as Trent Reznor would probably let himself get. Yeah. Yeah. This is the devil wants to talk me. Yeah, and so he he had this dramatic pause of what do you think of that? (laughs) I wanna play that again. Excuse me? <laughs> Record scratch? <laughs> also the ooh in the background. Yeah. Like there's so many weird also that bass line is dang, weird. Bang bang. Yeah. I really think the first side, the the A side is has the best the best yeah. stuff. Yeah. yeah. And then we start going into like, okay, this is him like, you know, 
what is it like when I do an upbeat song? Uh, well, I have to be drunk in order to feel those feelings. So I'll start with that. <laughs> do you remember buying the album? Yes. Where, what, what was? There was a yeah. record store, not record store. This is in shitty, shitty Houston. So like strip mall, but not like an LA strip mall where you're like, oh, there's a nice coffee place. And then there's this, it's like, yeah. there was a Target and a Merle Norman and then a CD store, Sounds which nice. had a million different names. I don't even know. Yeah. But they had um, they had tapes and CDs, and I didn't have a CD player yet, so I had the so I had this tape. So you grabbed this, and then how long later did you were you in Ohio? This was in Texas. Okay. I don't think that I wouldn't have bought this in junior high because. Wait a minute. Now this I don't was back in Texas. This was in no. This was in this was in. I think this was in seventh grade because I think I bought this and Nirvana at the same time. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, guys, this is what happened. Okay. Sorry, right, my go. cousin Stephanie, who was into um, Jane's Addiction, mm-hmm. she gave me the tape. Ah, okay. I did uh, not buy it because okay. I and I bought the CD when it came out on CD. Okay. She. So I had you heard it up until that? Did she fully introduce you to it, or was there? I forget if you she saw this. did because I remember they had they had an amazing Stephanie and Philip and Stephanie were like our rich cousins, which they were like middle class, but they had a really great stereo system with like a receiver, separate separate receiver. That's how I thought rich people had separate yeah. receiver, separate tape player, separate record player, <laughs> not this fucking all in one yeah. stuff. <laughs> but she played this song um, by Jane's Addiction that I think she was playing um, to scandalize us. Oh, it's <laughs> Sex is Violent. Do you know this song? Oh, yes. I think Do I you want me to play one. a second of it? Because sure, yeah. this is, just imagine you're, you're like, I don't know, maybe fourth grade and your cousin's playing this. <laughs> I mean, this is, this is um, and, and playing it all the way loud and then just watching us to see how we're reacting. Yeah. What happened was my cousin Gretchen and I we're listening to Nelson. That was our band. Yeah. <laughs> what a sh- transition you made. <laughs> and then it was a very sharp left turn. I'm going to do a bad version, but it's just Perry Farrell going, Sex is violent. Sex. Oh, wait, here it goes. Hold on. It's just this <laughs> madness. I, can't, I, I don't even know where those words. And you're listening to Nelson. <laughs> After the rain washes away the tears. And then your cousin plays this and you're like, yeah. it doesn't make sense. I feel like that's so lucky, though, to have somebody introduce yeah. you to something that's so out of your element. I didn't have that that much growing up. I feel like as I got older, that happened a lot more. Yeah. But my my sister exposed me to a lot of music. But for the most part, we just, my family, they were not big music people, just me and my sister. So it was, I really didn't get that from the outside or didn't really fully seek it out. So mm-hmm. yeah. um, I think that's so cool. I always wonder what I would have gravitated towards. Well, I think you... But I, but look, I mean, you and I have very similar taste in music now, mm-hmm. and I had that 
grow. I, yeah. You, I, I, I think all it does is give you a bigger knowledge base. I don't yeah. know if it necessarily like. I don't like Jane's addiction. Like I don't. Yeah. Jane's addiction is fine, um, but I'm not like a huge fan. But that the fact that that other stuff was out there, the the fact that she played this for me, and the, and then gave me Nine Inch Nails, Pretty Hate Machine, and then I, then I fig- then I found out who Nirvana was. That changed everything for me because mm-hmm. I was like, oh, you can be mad and yeah. it's okay. Uh, yeah. It doesn't have to just be like these upbeat, even Poison. Like I listen to Poison, but that's fucking fake. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's upbeat, good time music, but like they, it sounds hard, but it's not hard. Yeah. You know? it's- Poison was like the, that's when hair metal jumped the shark for me. That's when I knew I could see the manipulation, whereas before, and there, you know, there's nothing wrong with poison. I'll listen to poison. I'll listen to poison. They're fun, but that's when I thought this is just a joke. For me, not all music has to be super authentic. Like, yeah, because when they're when it does start feeling really fabricated or or like forced, there's still good stuff in there. But I think it depends on like if you're wanting to like feel things yeah <laughs> yeah well that's true you okay know? so uh, this, <laughs> this is so, <laughs> well okay that made me think of this because i also was listening at that time to skid row yeah um uh warrant warrant mm-hmm. which is my cherry pie queens reich uh and that oh, was all silent lucidity yeah all that shit and yeah. that was stuff that my uncle who was also living in and out of my grandma's at the time was listening to and so we were hearing that a lot okay and um and so i i liked that music and yeah. i liked the hardness of it but yeah i didn't like i didn't it was all very sexist and i, I could yeah. kind of recognize that like yeah but then nine inch nails and nirvana were like two guys who were ple- like feeling that anger and feeling that like hardness of like rock yeah metal yeah. music but but also being more gentle about it vulnerable. and artistic about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 More vulnerable, yeah. Yeah, I think that's I think that's key. So just to get the timeline right, this meant uh, when were you listening to the and where I, were you listening to Now I was this? remember I was listening to this in it was 2004. It was 1989 <laughs> or something and then I got and yeah. then I uh 1989 but I don't think I, I was introduced to this, but I didn't really get into it until high school. And you were back in. And then I went back, and I was in Texas. Back in and Texas. then I kind of rediscovered that. Um, the Crow came out. I was, and then, yep. We just watched that. We did just year. watch it. I had the poster above yeah. my bed at home. That soundtrack. I love that soundtrack. I loved, like, this. Yeah. Brandon Lee is not a good actor. No. <laughs> I no, hate no. to speak ill of the dead, but rewatching um, it. Now it was real. It made me really sad because it's it's a really bad movie. Do you remember that? I remember the weirdest like. What was it? Her eyes, they're beautiful. <laughs> yeah, and she like yes. takes them out with a knife. And there's weird. You're like, what is this? It's yeah, like they, it was. I feel like they movie. just did a weird music video and they were like, yeah, let's yeah. make it a movie. Keep it going. does feel like a music video. Good looking um, guy. Though. Is there anything else Good you want to say about um, Nine Inch Nails? No, I I'm happy that Trent Reznor dealt with his. Um, addiction problems. Hit some addiction Did problems. Did he have some of that? Okay. I that's am not unexpected. Fascinated yeah. by his muscles and his. He like he looks like he drinks seventeen protein shakes a day. <laughs> Do you, are you? He went from this scrawny. No. Okay. Not one bit. Just curious. What did you ask? I asked if she's attracted, attracted to him. him. Oh, okay. I'm fascinated by him because he. 
to me is like every single dude I went to high. I mean, not this music, but like as a person, like kind of a nerdy dude who was introverted, who was doing this really cool music and was super skinny. And now in his like 50s is ripped. Jacked. Jacked. It's a new chapter for him. When he pumps iron, does he, is he like, you're gonna get what you do. <laughs> I do exercise to, to do oh, this good is one. good exercise music. Man, yeah. yeah, you get lost in it. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. You can't do yoga to it, but you can lift weights to it. <laughs> I bet you could. I bet you could. Guys, that. this is one, I, I feel very vulnerable because I did tear up in front of you. I, I really think this album is either, um, either you get it or you absolutely don't get it. Yeah. That's, I don't think there's any in between. I'm this like, is, yeah, it's okay. This is, you, you've Polarizing. done exactly what mm-hmm. we, this is what this is all about. This yeah. is, what am I saying? Everybody has stories like this. Everybody has moments in their life where that's the, you, you, you tell yourself this is the only thing that's speaking truth to me right now. Um, so thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. And I think it's so cool that what you guys are doing because if I can brag on you for a second, because like I didn't, some of the stuff I didn't even think about being connected until we started talking about mm-hmm. it. Yeah. You know, all that stuff is so subconscious when you're listening yeah. to the music and then you're like, oh, I'm crying right now. Oh, it's because I remember listening to this song in my Bronco too when I was working at the <laughs> yeah. macaroni grill smoking in my car because I was sad because the waitress that's always mean to me screamed at me you know like uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Stuff it just like brings that. back all that but being able to talk it out yeah I think is mm-hmm. that one thing we keep talking about with with all of this is like getting to hear this album through you is mm. so cool and getting to like hear it broken down through your perspective I appreciate it so much it's more it's the cable guy of movies of music and <laughs> that if you watched it when you were a, t- a teenager mm-hmm. you're like oh this is so weird and inventive and if you watch it as an adult you're like I don't understand what's happening yeah yeah but getting to hear it through you and is a very it's very cool and one of our goals um, before you came was to make you cry so oh I good like, good job Joel yeah I had chopped onions ready to go yeah just um, in case uh, I'm let's do uh, what did we learn today what is your dad's name Robert Robert Gibson mm-hmm junior it's a good name I learned uh, what what Robert Gibson has done um, with what a life that he's I know that he's truly incredible uh, had after uh, serving in the Vietnam War. It's fascinating. All the twists and turns and yeah. That's it. Well, I think it's, here's what I've learned. And I, and I had, and I really didn't until we started talking about my dad and who, you know, was, um, in Ohio and lived, lived the Rust Belt life and stuff. But, um, you know, to be like, and, and really this goes for anybody you don't know what they've been through. You don't know what their connection is with stuff. And so always to be like, it's more sympathetic when mm-hmm. someone's doing something and you're like, wait, that seems irrational that that person would be crying at this thing. Yeah. It's pr- probably very deep and, yeah. you know, connected to something. Yeah. Yeah. Scraping through my head till I don't want to sleep. I did say what I learned today um, earlier because I was thinking about that Bob Dylan song and that I was I thought at the time that I connected to the lyrics because of the literalness of them you're far away from home but at that time I was I was I was actually growing up or, or changing and being so far away from home was a good thing for me mm-hmm. 
um, then I had to go work for that fucking bankruptcy court clerk's office, <laughs> and I wanted to be far away from home. Um, the most my, depressing job I've ever heard of. <laughs> <laughs> People losing everything they have. Yeah. And there's a college kid yeah. filing it all yeah, in yeah, the a file. God, I hope this day ends soon. <laughs> What did I learn? Well, I feel like I learned a lot about you. I knew, I think I knew you were a bit nomadic mm-hmm. and worked a, a ton of different jobs and stuff. I didn't know specifically, specifically you worked at Macaroni Grill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't know, I didn't know that you learned photography from your dad. I think yeah, that's really I, cool. I, I, I didn't realize that. You're an incredible photographer. Yeah. I always have enjoyed your pictures. Thanks, you guys. And um, that's cool. Our baby pictures are next level. <gasps> That's cool. We, like, my dad only took black and white pictures of us when we were babies. Oh, yeah? Do yeah. You, could it have been that you were born in black and white? Oh, God, Deb, I didn't even think about that. Time I was born in things. the 50s. Okay. That makes <laughs> sense. Yeah, so you were born in black and white. Erin <laughs> Gibson is a comedian, actor, and writer in L.A. She's a co-creator and co-host of the Throwing Shade podcast with Brian Safi, which is available on the Earwolf Network. And the show is available. Uh, you, now you, you'll have to finish. Oh, this on one. demand. On demand. It's Throwing Shade TV on TV Land on demand. Uh, she's also the writer, director, uh, executive producer of Gay of Thrones, and that's on Funny or Die. That's right. Uh, you can find her on Twitter and at, uh, on Instagram at Gibblertron. And also, if you want to add this to her credits, yeah. she was um, the first one of the first people to be very nice to me. Um, Deb gave me in, a, in this world. A sage candle. in this world, Aaron. <laughs> I invited Deb to a bowling party soon after she started dating Bernie, and then she brought me a beautiful candle, rosemary, not sage. Sorry. Oh. You bought me a rosemary candle, Thank and you. I burned it till it, till the glass got too hot and had to be thrown away. It was so. And nice. I never forgot it, ever. I never forgot you. And I'll and I'll never forget you. Thanks so much, Erin. Thanks, Thanks so much, Erin. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening to this particular album is very, very important to me. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram and Twitter, all at this particular album. The show is produced by Joel Spence, Deborah Tarika, Ryan Middledorf, and everyone at Campfire Media. Artwork by Anna Salinas, music by Joel Spence. See you next time. Campfire.